Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations. With your host, James McLean. Welcome to the Gen Z Show. I'm your host, James McLean, and I'm joined again today by my daughter, Sarah Beth, who in case you guys have not noticed, Sarah Beth and I are in completely different generations in this world. You are Generation what? Z. And I am Generation X. So let me ask you a question, Sarah Beth. Do you think that other generations, my generations, boomers, maybe even millennials, have a tough time connecting with your generation? Yeah, I'd say so. Why do you think that? Um, I guess just because of you know, lack of shared experiences, there's like, um, there are different times. I mean, people say this isn't what it used to be. I mean, there's just a difference in social norms. There's a difference in the way that people were raised, the way that they grew up, what they grew up with. Um, there's just a big difference in the way that things are now versus, you know, 10, 20, you know, 30, you go even further than that. I mean, completely different worlds. So, so what is an example of, of the way that, older generations have a difficult time. Give me an example of that. Um, well, I'd say social media, definitely. Um, there's been, you know, everyone nowadays has a social media. My generation, we don't remember a time without it. And um, your generation, um, older generations, it's newer. So they're, you know, slower to come onto it, not see the importance of it. Whereas like for my generation, that's how we connect with everybody. That's, you know, our social life right there. Well, today's guest is Jonathan Catherman, and I was going to tell you folks that he is one of the most brilliant youth development specialists. He's a sociologist who has studied youth development, youth, the adolescent development uh, from a sociological standpoint. He's probably one of the most brilliant people I've ever talked to. I had such a great time in this interview, and he's written many books, but two of the books that he wrote is what we focus our discussion on today. And one of the books is the first book is Guiding the Next Generation, How to Rethink How to Help Teens Become Capable Adults. But the companion to this, and this is brilliant, the companion to this is Becoming the Next Generation, a book written to your generation, Sarah, about how to become a a uh, brilliant generation take, taking your place as a competent, capable adult. And he thinks that these two, he wrote these two books to kind of bridge the gap between it in such a way that look at here. That's cool. <laughs> okay. If I could actually do it. Yeah, there we go. It forms a bridge, the two books together. I think that's just brilliant. And it is such great symbolism of what these two are as, as he looks of trying to build bridges between the generations and give some practical ways that both generations can do the things that they can do because as he believes, as he really believes, your generation has the greatest capacity to be better than any generation before it because you have more resources. And it's just brilliant what he talks about. But we've talked about it long enough. Let's go straight to our interview with Mr. Jonathan Catherman. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us today on the Gen Z Show. I, I really was excited to connect with you uh, after I saw that a mutual friend of ours, Tim Williams, had interviewed you on his podcast. I, I, I listened to that and I really wanted to, to talk with you and meet with you because I felt a lot of synergy. So thank you for joining us today. Uh, it's a privilege. Thanks for the honor. 
Well, Jonathan, I, we did a little bit of introduction before you and I got together, uh, me and my co-host did, but I want my audience to hear from you uh, a little bit about yourself. So if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit with our Gen Z group. Okay, sure thing. You know, when I get asked to do these introductions, most people expect me to lead with what I do professionally. Let's do that second. How about this? Um, I am a family man. I've got a wonderful bride of 25 years. Her name is Erica. I've got two sons named Reed and Cole. One of them's in college. The other one's graduating high school this year. Uh, we're all about as much family time as we can get. Um, we've got a really cool new puppy. He's a, a chocolate lab who's taken up a ton of time. So if you see me look down, it might be because the dog's walking by. <laughs> and uh, I'm big into to carpentry and cars, and I like to work with my hands and uh, just try to fill my time with as much creativity as possible. That's just the, the surface level of who I am. But what I do professionally is I'm a sociologist, which means I get uh, to focus on studying groups of people, how they interact in culture, how they influence culture. And, uh, and that's where my area of interest is focused on young people today, particularly the growing generational gap between generations previous and who's coming up as the next great generation today. So I get to write books, I get to do research, I get to stand before audiences and speak. It's pretty, it's a pretty fun gig. Well, that leads really well into one of the topics that I wanted us to discuss today, and that is one of the books. Well, actually, I guess they're two books. They, they kind of are, are companion books, and they're over your shoulder there, uh, Guiding the Next Generation. Um, I yeah. really like the concept of that, especially as you just hinted about the generation gap. Tell me what was the catalyst for, for writing that book, and then maybe we can talk about a little bit of describing so our audience sure. can understand it. Sure. Well, I spent about 10 years traveling the world, mainly U.S. and North America, but doing keynotes um, on character and leadership development. Um, and then that involved a lot of research and writing. And I saw a trend occurring where the emerging generation of young people today are approaching leadership development and personal development different than, say, their parents, grandparents, and those who came before, kind of the models that were set up. And so looking into why and how that is being structured differently um, was the birth of guiding the next great generation and becoming the next great generation books. In fact, I got copies right here. I think it's worth seeing the covers. Guiding the next great generation book is for adults and mentors and educators, parents. It's really a kind of structural model of what's going on with this emerging generation of young leaders. The companion book is Becoming the Next Great Generation, and it's written for the tween, teen, 20-something who is in the stage of claiming their space in leadership. Mm. If you take a look at the book covers, they come together to form a bridge. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> a lot of people don't necessarily see that, but that was intentional because we're trying to bridge the gap between where we are, um, James, you and I, where we came from, and where the young people we work with are today, because they are literally the next great generation. I believe they have more potential to do good in the world than any generation before, and it's our responsibility to help guide them. Why do you think that? Why do you think they have the potential to be able to do that? Because I, I can hear someone, they heard you say that, and yeah. their minds are like, why? Why, was, why is this generation better than the previous ones? Or they have excess. Or they got excited hearing that. So. Well, yeah, let's get excited about it, because... If you don't believe in the generation to come, their full potential, then you're in the wrong focus. You're in the wrong industry. You're in the wrong 
lifelong area of, of passion. If, you, if you're not committed to them, then please step aside and let those who are committed to them help guide them and raise them up. I believe they have more potential to do good in this world than any generation before because they have excess access to the amount of resources that can literally change the trajectory of where we're going, be it in, in the context of uh, politics or of social service or of faith or of family. Their access to, to excellence and quality tools and, and skills is, is second to none. No, no parent, grandparent can say we had bigger or better. They have the best access to the best resources. Now it's really about structuring their mindset so that they believe that they can do well and in turn access the resources, the mindset, which is the access to the skill set, tool set to go do more than we could ever even imagine. I think by time you and I are, are breathing our last breath, we're gonna look back and go, had no idea they were capable of this. I saw it was going to be remarkable, but I had no idea it was going to be this amazing. So what's the what's the problem with it, uh, the connection between the tools that they have and the mindset that they have? Because I, I heard what you said there. They got the best tools, but it's the mindset that, that we have to work on. So if you look at the context of mindset, skill set, and tool set, what you're really measuring is willingness and ability. So willingness is a mindset factor. Uh, skill set, tool set, that's an ability factor. So when we face demands in life, and so so your audience, I want you to envision any demand, something that presses in on you needs to be responded to now, today. Um, it might be work-related, it might be family-related, it might be personal, but something's demanding of you. First thing you have to do is say, am I willing to take this on? Hmm. So let's, let's say it's um, finals are coming up and you need to study for a big exam. Are you willing to study for the exam? Because if you're not, then you procrastinate and you just it doesn't ever happen. It doesn't matter what the skills and tools are you have. You just the mindset's not there. If you're willing to take it on, then that's the first big step. The next thing is, do you have the skills and the tools you need to study for the exam? If you have the skill set and the tool set, then you've got lined up the willingness and ability to take on studying for the exam in a way that your brain registers it as a challenge. And the cool thing about mm -hmm. challenges are, is we thrive, we, our brains thrive in a challenge state. We want to excel, we wanna do exceptionally well, we wanna do better than the last time we faced this type of a challenge. If on the other hand, we are lacking a mindset, skill set, or tool set, any one of the ability, the willingness or ability factor, then our brain registers the same demand as a threat. And you know what our brains hate? Our threats. Yes. And we'll try to do anything we can to avoid a threat. So, so it's not really bridging the gap between mindset and, and skill set, tool set, or willingness and ability. It's about pairing them together so that we, when we face a demand, we see it as a challenge rather than we see it as a threat. And young people today, as they're merging into their place in professionally and personally, uh, relationally, when they have all the willingness and abilities, I, again, I think they're going to do far more than you and I ever, ever believe possible. Yet we believe you're going to do remarkable things. Mm. I'm, I'm agreeing with you 100% on the mindset is the major issue there. I'm seeing that quite a bit, especially my son just graduated. So uh, this past year, so mine is kind of in between yours. And I'm seeing in his generation just a, a lack of the willingness to put the effort in to accomplish the goals that they could set for themselves. And there's a lack of willingness to even set goals going forward. 
why is this generation, in your opinion, different than previous? Because when I was coming along, and I'm 52, when I was coming along, there was this desire to to be. But even even the the kids who who did not excel in school, they had a desire at least to get a job and do better than mom and dad did, or or, or you know just just be a little bit better. Now there seems to be less of that desire. Do you see that? Am I on the right track? My observation. And if so, what's the deal? I think every generation sees that in the generation next. I mean, mm-hmm. if you go back and study history, all of the, the thinkers and the movers and the shakers that were older looked at the younger generation and said they lack what it takes to make it. Yet every generation tends to progress. And, and so here's what I think we should probably look at with our generation today, with young people today, is we've got to differentiate between self-esteem and self-efficacy. Because one of the things I think that you and I are observing today um, from when we were their age versus kids today is we've done a really good job of building up young people today with self-esteem. And they believe that they can do something because they feel good about themselves. And we told them, if you feel good about yourself, you can do anything. Truth is, you probably can't do anything. If you don't have the skills and tools, then you can't do anything. Um, but if you, even if you feel good about yourself, you have to have the self-efficacy, which is I have proven to myself I can do this. So I've got something backing up my belief, not just a good feeling. I have some history. I have some proven track record. I've, I've given it a go before. I may not have exceeded my expectations and I may not have succeeded to the level which I want, but I gave it a go and I'm willing to give it a try again. Uh, and that kind of comes back to the context of practice. Are they willing to practice? Because if you're willing to practice, you also have to understand that we've got to wipe away the, the old teaching that practice makes and people say perfect. It doesn't make perfect. If, if practice made perfect, then someone would practice enough to get it perfect. And then you can't get any better than that because it's perfect. You can't better perfect. Instead, if we have self-efficacy, a belief that we've proven to ourselves that we can get better because we're practicing what we're doing by practicing the scene that we're getting better. So practice makes better, better proves to ourselves that we can do this and we're willing to give it another go. Hence, that means we're entering into our, our, our brains are into that challenge state. And again, we thrive in a challenge state versus we just try to survive a threat state. So, so in brief, to answer your question is, I think young people today who are high in self-efficacy, not just self-esteem, and practice on the regular are building into what we are, are we would aspire for them to have a better life than our own. But it's something that they have to pursue. We can't just tell them, you know, you're awesome. We believe the greatest about you. Be high in self-esteem. It's not you can't just can't just yeah. give that to someone. They have to earn it. Yeah, I, two points that, that came to mind when you were saying that. First, on the self-efficacy. My son, when he was probably 13 or 14 and he was moving into high school, I looked at his room and there was all these trophies from from baseball participation. Um, at the same time, I went home to my uh, visit my mom and dad and they still have all the stuff that I had. I had one that we earned by winning a little little league when I was like 11 through that entire time. There was no participation trophies. There was none of that. So that was the thought. And the other thing was Mr. Ziegler's statement on practice, that practice doesn't make perfect, that practice produces permanent patterns of behavior. So that three times real fast. Produces permanent patterns of behavior, not makes perfect. So yeah. I, I, I think both of those kind of support what you're saying. Yeah, we got to stop expecting trophies for everything. And we got to stop giving trophies for everything. And, and or 
Um, you know, when somebody says good job, that doesn't necessarily mean it comes with a bonus, mm. right? It's just good job. Uh, you did exactly what you were expected to do and a little bit better. Congratulations, which <laughs> now means I will entrust to you more responsibility. This is called stewardship, responsible management, supervision, and protection of what's been entrusted to your care. Mm. Stewardship is not leadership. Stewardship is self-management. Leadership is management in a way that others are willing to follow. So when we look at the trophies for everyone, that's not even a matter of stewardship. If you're expected to show up on time, you don't get a trophy for that. If you're expected to try your hardest, you don't get a trophy for that. Nor is there a bonus for, for you know, like I said, not being late. Uh, just steward the responsibilities that have been entrusted to your care, and then people will look for you for more. When, the, when people begin to follow, now you're in a leadership position. But you're not in a leadership position if you can't steward. There's, I do not believe that you can have leadership without stewardship. Wow. That's quotable right there, audience. We're going to put some hashtags on that and see it trend on Twitter. Leadership and stewardship. I love that. So I'm, I hope that at this point in our time, we're about 15 minutes in, that our audience is going, hey, I, I agree with you guys and I want to know this. Give me some resources to it. And, and I think that your books are great resources. So tell a parent, someone who's working with youth, how they can use uh, your Guiding the Next Generation book to help them. Um, sure. You know, how, how that can be a resource for them. You know, if you're working with young people as a, a mentor, an educator, or a parent, I highly recommend you pick up a copy of Guiding the Next Great Generation, not just because I wrote it, but because the book is broken into parts that are uh, consumable and understandable in context of what's actually happening with the emerging generation. So, for instance, um, the very first part of the book is, is uh, bridge the gaps between the generations and how do we do mm -hmm. that. We also discuss how to transform raw talents into valued strengths because there's a significant difference in a young person's life today between being talented and, and exercising a strength because we're all equipped with talents, but very few people have honed those into strengths. Yeah, see that right there very much is, is a yeah. big interest of mine as well. Well, you're not going to get hired. We, we misuse the word talent. Uh -huh. we, so said, we hire the best talent. Yeah, but a talent is a natural way you think, feel, or behave that can be positively applied. Whereas a strength is giving a greater contribution than is expected in return. I'm not going to hire you just because you naturally think a certain way. I'm going to hire you because you bring more profit to our company than you expect to take away and pay. Hmm. Right? That's a strength is going to is going to what's going to get you recruited into college or university. A strength is what you're going to use in the workforce. It's what's going to get you the scholarships. It's what you're going to get promoted for when you're in the military. You're going to work on your strengths are the true value, not just your talents. So there's also how to transform raw talents into valued strengths. We also discuss how to practice stewardship before leadership and how to live with purpose. So in guiding the next great generation for parents, mentors, educators, it is a framework of, of kind of where this emerging gen is going and in, in, the, in the path. How do we help guide them down that path? Um, another book I'd recommend, which releases on March 22nd, is Raising uh, Them Ready. Practical Ways to Repair Your Kids for Life on Your Own, on Their Own, excuse me. Um, so in Raising Them Ready, if you have a, a kid between the age of 2 and 22 years old, uh, we're talking about what does a readiness assessment look like? How do we know if they're ready for the next developmental stage, um, age and development, or excuse me, age and ability appropriate? There's also a launch list of over 300 skill sets and tool sets they'll need to achieve before they leave the home, and then a release plan for parents. 
meaning that you're not just waiting for their 18th birthday or for them to move out the house to let go, but you're actually in a progression of guidance, uh, uh, guidance excuse me, instruction, guidance, and counsel to release them slowly over time so that when they go, it's a celebration rather than a concern that I hope they're going to make yeah. it. You've been practicing the process over time. Do you think that this generation that is emerging, our sons, mine that just graduated, yours is about graduated, this particular age bracket is going to have a rougher time transitioning to that next stage from high school to post high school, no matter what it looks like, because of the situation that the world's been in the last two years? I think that it's going to be um, a heavier lift for some. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's, I, I, there's a phrase I like that says, we're all in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. Oh, wow. When we were, when we, the last couple of years, what we went through and in all of the arguments we've had, whether it's, it's nationally or globally, it was all the same storm. We just didn't have all the same resources. So we weren't all in the same boat. So some people who were resource rich, it would be like being on a great ship in the middle of a big storm at sea versus someone who is resource poor. And I'm not talking about just finances. There's a whole right. lot of context of resources here. But if you were lacking resources, then you were more in a small dinghy in the same storm right next to a giant ship. So I would go back to say, you know, what did what did young people do with the last couple of years? Because some who were um, well, that's why I'm important to say the resource rich and resource poor is not just socioeconomic, but why some people who squandered their time, they didn't do with what with it what they could and or didn't have access to resources that they needed are going to have a tougher time. Those who maximize the opportunity and had access, access to resources had a chance to to gap leap forward. And so they may actually have um an advantage over the the others who are coming out of this last couple of years. It's, it's a tough reality, but it's true. Um, that's why stewardship is so very important. That's why I speak so much about stewardship, the responsible management, supervision, and protection of what's been entrusted to your care. Despite life's circumstances, these are the demands of life. How you right. face them is about your preparation. Awesome seeing, and, and see if you are saying this as well, yeah, my son graduated last year, so 2021. So he has a third of his junior year and all of his senior year has been traumatically up, you know, turned upside down. There are so many little things that I consider rites of passage that happened that last year and a half of school uh, that students participate in. There, even the way that a teacher interacts with you changes about two thirds through your junior year. They start talking to you different. They start looking mm -hmm. at you different. Yeah. All that stuff was erased. And I feel like that someone told me, they said, oh, well, this generational will be maybe a year and a half behind developmentally. I don't think, I don't think it's going to equate one to one. I think it may be even worse that, that developmentally, they may be even construed two, three, maybe even five years behind because they were stifled so much. Am I on the right track there? Do you see in that from your from your uh, studies? I think that we need to be cautious when we cast a net over an entire generation in this context. Okay. I think when we it's fair to say that there are individuals and or groups within the generation that are going to be just as you described. The mm -hmm. things are stifled. They experience ambiguous loss, meaning there's no closure to what was no longer available. 
Like example would be, um, what do you mean we don't get to have prom this year? This is big for us. This is a rite of passage to have prom, we're to have graduation, and it's been erased because of the pandemic. That doesn't seem fair, and we don't actually ever get to go back and make up prom or graduation. That would be an ambiguous loss. There's no closure on that loss. Um, I'm not saying that you have to have that experience to mature, um, but some people will hold that lack of experience and and in turn it will weight them down and they will not mature at the progressive at in the progression that they, they should or could. Mm -hmm. Others, despite the same circumstances, view the situation completely differently and say, yeah, I missed the dance. It was an important dance. I'll be able to tell my grandkids I didn't have a prom. Um, they turn the situation. And maturing is, is the factor that we're looking for here. And it's not just based on what actual milestones you get to mark. I did this, I did that, I did the other thing. It's how you interact with it and how you take personal responsibility for it and what you do with it thereafter. Wow. So I don't think we can cast that umbrella over the entire generation. I think that there are individuals and there are groups that within the generation that, yeah, it's going to affect and others, they're just going to plow forward and it's going to be rather amazing. So it's back to what you said about their stewardship of their resources, stewardship of their, of their talents, but it's not just their stewardship. It's really the parents and those who've invested in them. Are they doing it well as right? As right. So, Agreed. all right, let's talk about the right side of the bridge. You know, the other book, how, how can someone in this generation utilize the, the right side of the bridge uh, uh, to help them? Sure. Okay. So you now you're talking about becoming the next great generation. Um, welcome to the inside access resource to what the people who you're going to be working with are looking for. Ooh. So, for instance, if, if, if you're going to school and you want to have good interactions with your professors or with deans or with resident hall advisors or you want to get an internship, or you want to get a job and the people that you're going to be working with are years ahead of you, the Bridging the gap between the generations, transforming raw talent to valued strengths, practicing stewardship before leadership and living with purpose is exactly what they're looking for. That's kind of the, the new criteria because the, the offerings, who you're sits, if you're a young person, you're applying for something or you're looking to get into something, you're in a vast sea of other people that look pretty much just like you. Hmm. And we work we, we, we talk a lot about wanting to be individuals, but then we work really hard at being the same. And, and in guiding and becoming the next great generation, you're learning how your individual strengths and values are so very unique um, that you'll stand out from the person who's right beside you who doesn't know. If you don't know how to practice stewardship, if you don't know how to, to live in strengths, if you don't live with purpose, if you're not bridging the gap between generations, then, then it's, you're just a blend into everybody else. If you can stand out and live out, that's what's going to set you apart. Stand out and live out. That's quotable. I like that. Stand out and live out. That's a speech title right there for me. Uh, <laughs> so I love this concept, but you have another thing. You're not just a writer. You actually are, are you know, you, you do the work as well as you've, uh, founded an organization based on mentoring. Would you yeah. would you share with our audience the value of that and and where you're coming from on that? Because I'm a big advocate of mentoring. I think some people have a kind of a construed idea of what the word mentoring actually means. They confuse it maybe with coaching or teaching and and how it all works, how those all work together. So sure. 
Well, our family has a foundation. It's titled is 1M Mentoring Foundation, and the 1M stands for 1 million, and it's our goal to provide 1 million young people with mentoring resources around the world. And it's a it's a it's a audacious goal, and we're proud of it. And right now we're about halfway there, so I'm okay with this. Wow. Um, our our resource opportunity is not to be the mentor. We are providing resources for those who want to be mentors. And it comes in the form of two books that I and my wife and I wrote, and then uh, some resource mentoring tools for adults who are working with young people. And the idea is that if you can guide a young person to discover and become all they're created to be, give them the confidence and capabilities to be young men and women in the making, then uh, that's that's a good start. We find the clubs are often run in schools, uh, upper elementary, middle, and early high school. And the mentoring comes from both uh, community mentors and uh, near peer mentoring. So for instance, um, a high school may have high school mentors that are working with uh, middle school students. Or you've got middle school students who are running a moving up to middle school event for the elementary school kids. It's how do you begin to practice? And again, you know, practice doesn't make perfect. You know, how do, how do we get better through um, engaging with each other, practicing the life skills and character traits we need to succeed? And doing that on a repeating regular basis with people who are, are guiding you along the way. Um, instruction, guiding, and counsel are, are, are quality mentoring teaching tools. So instruction is do it this way, right? Put that there. Or like to tie a tie or, or, to, or to, the, the cook a meal or something along those lines is very specific. There's, this is how you do this. Add that ingredient. Pull it up there. Like that's, that's instruction. Guidance would be. Um, have you considered, and, and it's a little bit more information that makes it just a little bit better. Not necessary. doesn't have to happen, but it's good in, good added value. Um, and then counsel is where the mentee comes to the mentor and says, hey, I'm working on, I'm thinking about, I'm trying to, what, what more can I do? So, so notice the difference there. Instruction and guidance is mentor to mentee, whereas... Um, uh, counsel is mentee to mentor. And that's where we know we've had a, a, a real breakthrough in young people is when they come seeking, which means they're, they're looking for counsel. And, uh, and, and, and counsel isn't like, you know, like not counseling, but wise counsel on how to be better at what it is they're wishing to accomplish, the goals that they've set. So, so mentoring is a multi-stage, multi-year process. Not a program. Absolutely not a program. Mentoring is a process. And so it's, it's our privilege to have created resources for programs who are looking to take young people through the mentoring process. So what are some of the benefits or outcomes for, for the students or young people who've gone through these types of programs before or other types of programs like sure. this mentoring that you have? Well, think about effectiveness and efficiency here. If, if, I'm, if I'm a ment mentee and you're my mentor, you're sharing with me your life experience, your instruction, your guidance, your counsel, right? And it's, it's effective and efficient because you've been there, you've done that, you have the, the blisters and the scars to show it. Um, but you can help me with my learning process, uh, pursue creative ways, uh, effective ways, efficient ways, or 
I can do it on my own and experiment my way through everything. One is, is time and energy uh, uh, focused and purposeful. The other, it, it takes a ton of time and energy. So the beauty of mentoring is, isn't just that you're, you're uh, efficient and effective. It's also your relational. Because to do something alone, I may be able to go, go fast, but to do something together will go far. Mm-hmm. So now you as my mentor, we can go the distance and we can do it efficient and effectively. And in the end, your goal, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely certain of this as a mentor, is that my experience exceeds yours. So one day as a mentor, we take our hands off. We go, you know what? You're doing remarkably well and you've met and now you're beginning to exceed everything I could have shared with you turn and offer that to somebody else. Wow. That's powerful. And it gets me excited to talk about these types of things, to talk about the opportunity to affect a generation, uh, especially a generation that, that as you identified has the potential of really being one of our greatest generations. Uh, And we're not just talking about Z's now. We're also talking about the, you know, the alphas that are coming along, uh, which are, you know, elementary school uh, age now, I guess, depending on how you classify them. Uh, going going forward. I know you mentioned it before, but I want you to uh, give our our audience uh, uh, just a, a blurb about your book coming out uh, pretty soon. Uh, maybe it's it's already out when, when this is aired uh, so they can r- rush to it. And hey, audience, we're going to have a link to it in the in the show notes. So look down if you're watching or click right. on it if you're listening. Okay, Raising Them Ready. Practical ways to prepare your kids for life on their own. So if you are, again, a parent, a mentor or an educator. This is a really great resource um, that will help you uh, kind of assess and teach your kids to self-assess if they're ready or not uh, to take things on as a challenge or if they're seeing things as a threat, anything we call demands. Um, So the book is broken actually into three parts, ready, set, and go. The first part of the book is a readiness assessment. Um, the second part set is over, like I mentioned earlier, over 300 mindset, uh, excuse me, over, over 300 skill sets and tool sets a young person needs to know before they go. And then part three of the book is go, which is the release pattern uh, for the parents so that when they plan to uh, give instruction, guidance and counsel and release a little at a time over time, that they are seeing their kids succeed, they're seeing them practice, they're seeing them progress and mature. So when the big day goes, and they drive off in the distance, we are celebrating and relieved rather than concerned that they'll be back shortly because they didn't know how to make their own way. So raising them ready, practical ways to repair your kids for life on your own. It's It's got some very complex uh, models in it that we've simplified so you don't have to have a PhD to figure out if your kid is ready or not to, uh, to make it on their own. So I'm, I'm thinking as somebody, a parent may be listening to this and they're thinking, I would have loved to have had that book two years ago. Now my son or daughter is 20, 21. These are principles are still going to be able to apply to them, even if they don't feel like that 20 and 21 yet are ready to go, right? It is. It is because particularly like the readiness assessment is not age specific. It's something you will live the rest of your life. When I face a demand, am I willing and able to face that demand? If I'm willing and able, I see it as a challenge. My brain thrives in challenge. We exceed in challenge. We perform well in challenge. That's where we we want to be. If I face the same demand, but I'm not willing or not able, or any combination of unwilling, unable, then I see it as a threat. 
we tend to, our performance goes down in threat. We just try to survive threats. That's age, that's age everybody, right? Yeah. If we can, as adults, learn that and share that to no matter how old our child is or, or our employees or our who are mentor who we're, we're working with, that is a very valuable, relevant tool. It's very simple to understand. The launch list, even if you've got a kid that's 25 years old and yet they're still calling you up and saying, hey, you know, I don't know how to do ABC or XYZ. The launch list is, uh, like I said, it's over 300 items, skill set and tool set. It's never too late to be teaching these things to those that were around. So even if your child is is no longer a child, your kid is 25 years old, but they're, you're still around them, you can still be teaching them about doing their taxes or applying for jobs or, or there's a backlist you can look back and say, ooh, I missed that one. I should probably you know, model that behavior so my my 25-year-old can can see it being done also. Never ask somebody to do something you're not willing to do yourself, right? We call those people hypocrites. As parents, that's the last thing we want to be. And then the release plan, again, it's not absolute on age because if we're still holding on to our kids, I know, I know adults who are older than I am, whose kids are in the adulting age that still insist on managing their kids' cell phone bills. Wow. Or still do their kids' taxes for them. Or still monitor their bank accounts of their 27-year-old. I mean, that's, no, that's called helicopter parenting. And at some point, you've got to let that go. But it's hard as parents because we want to see our, our kids do well. And, and if we aren't there to help them, then maybe they won't do well. Um, yeah, maybe. You know what? It's okay to struggle from time to time. That is where growth occurs, is in the struggle. And so like, like anybody, an athlete that's ever worked out recognizes that the hard part is the workout. The fun part is the performance. They, that's exactly right. Yeah. Right. So, so help them work it out. It might be hard, but that means they will perform better later. That's right. We're not, uh, is it Andy Andrews that, that had the saying that we're not raising children, we're raising adults, that we need to get out of that mindset that, you know, we're, our job there is to make a child's life happy. It's not, it's no. to raise an adult that can be productive in society. Uh, yeah. And, and that is part of what their happiness will be. If they're confident and capable, then that's, that's again, go back to that self-efficacy. They believe in themselves with proof. Mm-hmm. That's what makes people happy. I don't want to sit there and question myself because I've never, never tried something and, and I should have a long time ago. You know, never do for your kids what they should and could do for themselves. At any age. So how can our audience connect with you? How, how can they reach out to you, find more about what you do, get your resources and books? And sure. where, where can they go? Sure. Well, we have a, a website. It's thecathermans.com uh, right there on the screen. And you can find all our books uh, anywhere you like to buy books. So online, walk in the store. There's I, I've seen them in everywhere from Target to, to Amazon. Um, so if you want the books, uh, please feel free to, to get those where you like. If you're looking for resources in order to connect with us, please come over to our website, email, call. Uh, it's not hard to find. Of course, it's a fabulous new tool. We've all heard so much about Google. I um, can't wait to try it. <laughs> <laughs> just Google me. <laughs> and, and it's not just these three books that we've talked about today that you have in your arsenal, your toolbox uh, for adults. You've also got... Some great resources. I know specifically uh, some for young ladies, some for young men. Uh, 
Tell, mm-hmm. Just just go ahead and advertise all the books and stuff because okay. I am a big advocate of what you've got. And we're going to put the resources linked down in, in our notes so that people can see them. Sure. Well, we have uh, some resources for guys and girls who are coming of age. We have the Manual to Manhood, which is 100 life skills and character traits every guy needs to know. And then we have the Girl's Guide to Conquering Life, which is the same. It's basically the same content. One is language for guys. The other is language for girls. Um, and they're illustrated by a Marvel Comics illustrator. So there's some really oh. cool uh, resource, over 200 illustrations in each of those books. Oh, wow. uh, and those have both been international bestsellers. Uh, Manual to Manual is just noticing that it's a bestseller, like I think in Australia right now. I'm like, oh, okay, that's great. Wow. Um, and then we also have some middle school, moving up to middle school resources for guys and for girls. We have the Manual to Middle School for Guys and Girl's Guide to Conquering Middle School, also illustrated by Marvel Comics illustrator. And it's the Do This, Not That Survival Guide uh, for moving up to middle school. So if you've got a student going from elementary to middle, it's a great resource for them. So um, those three books are geared towards a younger yeah. audience. Yeah, That's actually there's great. four of them. There's two for four? guys, oh. two for girls. Yeah. All yep. right. And then we have the men in the, men in the making and women in the making mentoring resources also available anywhere you buy books and on our website. That's a free download on our website. Um, if you want to buy a print copy, then you can do that where you choose to buy books. Wow. Jonathan, thank you for your time. Um, I have learned an immense amount today. I'm looking forward to diving into to your new book when it comes out soon. And I'm I'm thankful that I've made this connection because there are things that I have going on in my mind right now that, that you've spurred that I'm like, I, I got to let it settle down. I got to <laughs> process what I just learned and figure out what questions I have and how to move forward. As, as we kind of equip not only a new generation, but for those people who want to see this new generation thrive. So thank you yeah. for your time today. My privilege. I, I, I love doing this. This is this is like the icing on the cake for the day. Thank you. Well, thank you. And audience, listen, we appreciate you sticking with us. Listen, someone that you know needs to hear this episode. So like, comment, and share this. Look down in the show notes, both on the audio and the video, so you can get links to all the resources. And we'll see you soon on another episode of the Gen Z Show. Thank you for joining us on the Gen Z Show and being a part of our community. Please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Follow us too on Instagram and Facebook to get weekly updates. Until our next show, have a blessed day.